You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. And the title of my sermon today is simply titled, Trust and Go. Trust and Go. And we're going to be reading a passage, a story found in the Old Testament that you may or may not have heard of before in 1 Kings, deep in the heart of the Old Testament, 1 Kings I'm sorry, 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. And we don't have it up there, but I'll kind of give you a synopsis of verses 1 through 8, and we'll start in verse 9. There is a man by the name of Nahum, who is the commander-in-chief. He's the captain of the army of the king of Syria. And he is well-regarded. He is a great fighter. He is one of the king of Syria's right-hand man. He just won a great battle, a great war, but there's a small issue in his life. He has gotten leprosy. Leprosy back then was usually a fatal diagnosis. You'd get rashes on your body, and because of it, there would be these rashes, this leprosy that would take over. It would deaden the nerves of your extremities, and then things would start falling off. Your fingertips would fall off, your nose would fall off, your ears would fall off. And it was known in the Jewish tradition and culture of the old law, of the old covenant, that the people who had leprosy had to yell out that they were unclean. They couldn't stay with their families, they couldn't stay with their friends, they had to go outside of the city to these leprosy camps and hang out. And so this man, who is wealthy, who is well-known, who is loved by many, has leprosy. After one of their battles, they take on a girl to be a slave in their household, and this girl was, was, was put in the household to take care of his wife. And she found out that her master, her master's husband, had leprosy. And she tells her, there's a man that I know, there's a prophet that I know that is a part of my people who could heal your husband of leprosy. This girl was an Israelite. She was a Jewish woman and she was talking about the prophet Elisha. And she tells her, the woman, this man could heal your husband. She tells her husband, the husband immediately goes to the king of Syria and says, there is a man in the Israel culture who can heal me. He gets excited and he says, well, you go, writes a letter to the king of Israel and says, you go, talk to this king, present this letter from me, present these gifts to him and get healed and then come back to me. So he goes to the king of Israel. He's standing before the king of Israel. He presents the letter. The king of Israel reads this letter and all of a sudden it says that he rips his garments and starts wailing. And he says, how can I, the king of Israel, now be considered God who can kill or let someone live, who could heal or do whatever? I am not able to do this. I can't believe that the king of Syria put this on me. The prophet Elisha heard that the king was in turmoil, asked him why, and he said, because I'm being asked to heal this man. The prophet Elisha says, send him to me, 
and I will heal him. And we pick up the story in verse 9, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 9, we'll read verses 9 and 10. Then Nahum went with the horses and the chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. Verse 10 says, and Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be made clean. I want to help you on your journey in life today. We're going to see just three simple steps that I believe can help you in whatever area of life that you're in. The first truth that we can pull out of this story is, number one, listen. Number one, listen. That This man shows up at the door of the prophet. The prophet doesn't even show up to talk to him. He sends a messenger to the door. And he's standing there listening. His life is in the balance. Everything hinges on this moment. Is he going to continue to be the commander of the army of Syria, the right-hand man of the king of Syria, having a wife, having a household, having a healthy body so that he can go and fight? Or is he going to die? Is he going to lose it all? That maybe now you're in a situation, you're in an area of life, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your health, whether it's your mental state, whether it's your job, whatever it is that you're going through, where you're at a crossroad in life, whether either I make it or I don't make it, I need an answer from God. I need to hear the voice of God. And I think it's amazing that God being so gracious and so just abundant in his giving that we don't have to go find the prophet Elisha anymore. Imagine if you had an issue in your life and you had to travel all the way to Israel, travel to a mountain, climb up that mountain, knock on the door and wait to see if the man of God would come to you and tell you what to do. You see, even to an extent, this is why Jesus talked about why it's so important that he left. We do not see in the scriptures ever Jesus being, when he was here on earth, at multiple places at multiple times. Jesus was confined to the same truce, the same laws of nature. Jesus couldn't split his personality and he said, well, I'll go to Jerusalem and I'll let the other Jesus go to Samaria and then I'll let this one go to the cross and I'll go to the grave. No, Jesus is walking around. And if Jesus is still on earth here at this time, think of the weight limit in the time it would take to go see Jesus. If I get on the calendar now, in 2035, I have a 30-minute appointment with Jesus. Jesus is walking around, and because he's doing miracles, and because people are talking about it, it says that people are thronging to him. And at one point it says he can't even go into the cities because everybody grabs him and gets a hold of him and is talking to him and doing all these things. And because people have heard that Jesus is a healer, it says that they're bringing their sick to Jesus. Where is he? What town is he in? He's in that house? Well, I'll rip the roof off of it so that I can get my person in there. I'll yell. I'll do this. I'll do that. But Jesus said, it's good that I go. 
that I leave because there's something better that's coming. And we know it as the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus leaves. Acts chapter 2 happens. The Holy Spirit falls on humanity. Acts chapter 10 happens, and now the Gentiles are allowed access to the same thing that the Jews have by just believing on Jesus. And Jesus tells his disciples, however, when he, the Spirit of truth, or the Holy Spirit, has come, look at what he's going to do. He's going to guide you into all truth. Well, that's refreshing. He's not going to guide you into partial truth, half-truths, no truths at all. He's going to guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. The Scripture says that the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells inside of us. Jesus does not live in your heart. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, but the Spirit that was in Jesus is now inside of us, And the spirit that is inside of us is constantly talking, and the only thing that he's saying is truth. The only thing that he's leading and guiding you to is truth, that you have questions of what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? What's the next step? How do I fix this? How do I stop this? How do I overcome this? And it starts with listening. Just like Nahum as he stands in front of the prophet Elisha's house. That we no longer have to go somewhere, although we encourage you to come to church. Thank you for being here. This is a place that you can hear the voice of God. This is a place that you can receive guidance from the men and women of God who can encourage you and love you and do that. But the church doors are not always open. I can't be everywhere at once. I can't be in your back pocket follow you around, say, well, the Bible says this, you shouldn't have said that. The Bible says this, you should be doing this. No, but the Holy Spirit is inside of us, and He's constantly speaking, and He wants to tell you of things to come. He wants to speak to you. He wants to help you. He wants to encourage you. He's always talking, and what He's talking and what He's saying is always truth. So yes, we don't have to go somewhere, but we do have to put ourselves in a position to hear. That Nahum puts himself in position to hear from this man of God by standing at the door and knocking on it and saying, whatever you say, I'll do. And so, it's true with us that the Holy Spirit is speaking, but we have to put ourselves in positions to listen. That the noise and the chaos of this earth is always speaking. Your internal brain is always going. But we have to learn to shut that off, to go into our prayer closet, to go to our quiet spots. I always talk about it here, that God speaks to me in the shower, so I take a lot of showers. It's where he tells me about things to preach. It's where he tells me about things to do with the church. He can talk to me in other places. He's talked to me outside. He's talked to me here at the church. But there's just some, something special about being in the shower where me and here, where I can hear him and he can hear me. Where's that spot for you? Is it waking up early before everybody else and drinking coffee in the living room? Is it driving to and from work? If all else fails, try it like me. Go take a shower, be quiet, listen to God. He'll speak to you. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, 
Paul is writing to his son in the faith. And he's talking about the Scriptures. We know that the Scriptures is the Word of God, the voice of God. That God spoke to men who were encouraged to write this book. And it tells us this beautiful redemptive story of Jesus saving humanity over and over and over again. That we can go into this Bible you're even having trouble saying, well, I can't hear God. He's not speaking to me. I don't know what his voice sounds like. Well, you have a full book that has all of his words and everything that he wants to say to you. And it says here that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And what is this scripture do? It's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And verse 17 says that the man of God may be complete, or the woman of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That we make it a priority to listen to God. And if you say, well, I can't hear God's voice. I don't know what he's saying. Well, then we make it a priority to get in this book and read what he has for us, see what he has for us, what he wants to say to us, what he wants to speak to us, so that we can listen. Because it says when we listen... And we take that in, it's, it's positive for us. It helps us. It grows us. And it helps you to be complete. And it helps you to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly equipped. When me and my dad were working on the truck yesterday, my dad was thoroughly equipped to work on that truck. He was asking for something, and I'd go into my little tool shed and find my, like, one pair of pliers and my hammer maybe my screwdriver. I wasn't thoroughly equipped to work on my vehicle. But my dad is thoroughly equipped. He's been a mechanic for many, many, many years, and we completed this good work because he was thoroughly equipped. This Bible wants to thoroughly equip you to accomplish and overcome anything that is going on in your life. It wants to help you overcome any sin, any disease, any death in the past, present, and future. It wants to help you and lead you and guide you. The other day I was on the phone with my pastor, and he lives in North Dallas. He lives kind of out in the country, but not too far out in the country, but he has terrible reception out there. And so you can only usually hear a handful of things depending on the reception. It's crazy how expensive these phones are. It's crazy how much apps and how much guts and how much cameras and lenses are on these phones, and they don't do what a phone is supposed to do anymore, and that's make a phone call. I don't understand that. You want me to pay over $1,000 for this phone, and I can't hear on it. That's neither here nor there, but make me a phone that actually does stuff that a phone's supposed to do. I was on the phone with somebody from uh, the church recently, and he was giving me an update on what was going on in his life, and his phone kept cutting in and out. And I kept moving throughout the house, trying to find the perfect place so that I could hear what he had to say. I was talking to Pastor Eric about some things that were going on and talking to him about some sermons and different things. And we were both in our house and in his house moving, trying to find the perfect place so that we could both hear each other. And so I'm like, well, let me move to this room. 
And he said, well, you know I don't get any reception in my living room. Let me go walk outside. So he's outside, and then I'm outside, and he's inside. And finally, we worked it to where we could both hear each other clearly, and we were able to have a conversation. And God is doing the same thing. It says in the Scriptures, if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. God is doing the same thing as he's trying to move in the position so he can hear you and you can hear him and y'all can have a conversation. That we put ourselves in a position to listen to what God has to say because I need an answer on my situation. I need help in my situation. I don't need you to tell me something that may or may not work. I need to hear the absolute truth. And it says that the Holy Spirit is inside of me and he's leading and guiding me into all truth. So I want to encourage you to listen to what God has to say. He's speaking. He's speaking to you out loud and he's speaking to you through his word. That you put yourself in the position that you need to be so that you can hear. The next step that we have is to trust. The next truth that we're going to pull out of this story is to trust. We need to listen first to what God is telling us to do. Nahum is sick. He's trying to figure out where to go to get healed. He's standing before what he believes is the truth and the answer and he sends a messenger, and the messenger says, go dip in this river in the Jordan seven times, and you will be clean. Let's pick up the story in verse 11. Second Kings chapter 5, verse 11, he says, but Nahum became furious. Well, that's not really how you think he would respond to that. And he went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me. So he's mad. The prophet didn't come out and speak to him and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and he'll wave his hands all over the place and heal the leprosy. Look at verse 12. And not the Abana and the Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in any of them and be cleaned? So he turned and went away in a rage. Still not the answer I thought he would give. And his servant came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? The next step we see is trust. Trust. Let's all be honest. Sometimes we don't like the answers that God gives us. When we're asking God to help us in this situation, we're asking God to fix this situation, we don't always like the answer. We can look here and put ourselves on our high horse and say, I can't believe Nahum would be mad. I can't believe that Nahum went to a rage because he didn't like what God said. But God has been telling you to forgive that person for how long? And you said, ah, but do you know what they've done to me? God has told you to believe him. God has told you to pray. God has told you to forgive. God has told you to give. And God has said things where you say, no, that's, that's not God. It's definitely not God. He doesn't want me to do that. Well, God told you to tell that person I love you. It's not, it's not the end of the world. No, no, that wouldn't be God. God wouldn't want me to say, say that or do that. And we can understand in the moment as Nahum, who is used 
to the world bowing down to him. He's used to standing before great men and lowly men bowing below him. And he's expecting this prophet to come out and do this great show. He had in his mind how he was going to be healed. He had in his mind how God was going to show up. He had in his mind. And when it didn't happen, he said, well, I guess God doesn't answer prayers. I guess God doesn't care. I guess God doesn't love me. That we all seemingly have had that in our lives because we've been praying and we're believing. And we pray sometimes with the intent of God answering it this way. Well, I need God to answer it this way. And when it doesn't happen that way, all of a sudden we say, well, God doesn't care. But God answered it this way, and you weren't paying attention to it. That we learn to trust in what God is saying. No matter how crazy, no matter how chaotic, to go dip in a river. Well, couldn't I just dip in the river once? Couldn't I just splash the water on the rash? Couldn't I just give you money? Me, Nahum, being a great man of war, can't I go kill 20 bears and bring you all the bear skins? Can I go kill a giant and bring you the head of a giant? Can I go find a dragon in a cave full of coins and kill the dragon and bring all the gold to you? That's what I, I can do. That's what I'm. But you want me to be vulnerable. And you want me to take off all my clothes. And you want me to go down into the river. And a warrior who is trained for battle, think about how vulnerable that is. Think about the position that it puts him in. That he has to go down the riverbed into the water, completely naked, surrounded by his other soldiers, surrounded by his servants. He doesn't have any weapons. He doesn't have the high ground. He doesn't have the ability to recover or fight or do anything. He is so vulnerable in that moment that it's just between him and God. And that he has to trust that that's what God told him to do. And he has to trust that God is going to protect him. Now this is a high-ranking military official who has left his country and is in another country that he has fought before. So there's chances that there are people around him that do not like him. And so he is putting himself in the most vulnerable of positions that we learn to trust. In Psalms chapter 18, verses 30. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. As for God, his way is perfect. But sometimes we think our way is perfect. Well, what if I do this? What if I help God here? What if I do this over here? I'm pretty sure God would want me to do this. Well, he said this. Well, I'm pretty sure he really meant this. No, no, no. His way is perfect. And the word of the Lord is proven over and over and over again. God has proven himself. In Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and 6, King Solomon gets a, a little more intense here. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. And look at this, do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Uh-oh, yikes. 
that we learn to trust what God says, that we learn to trust when He tells us to do something, when He tells us to, to say something, when He speaks to us, His Word is proven, His Word is true, His way is perfect, and He's wanting to help you get to the place that you're supposed to be. Last month, me and my father-in-law got to go to the Master's. And if you've ever watched the Masters online, you've heard about how crazy, how fast the greens are. But you don't really realize how fast they are and how crazy they are until you're standing right in front of the greens. So me and my father-in-law there in California seeing uh, their oldest daughter and grandbabies for the week. While we're there, we're standing at this, at I think the first green uh, when we were walking through. And we were looking at the hills, and we were looking at just the craziness of this green. And if you watch it on TV, you see that they barely putt the ball. I'm not that great of a golfer. I've golfed a little bit. But my thought process is, well, there's the hole, so I'm going to line up to the hole, and I'm just going to putt to the hole. But if you watch these pro golfers, especially at the Masters, sometimes their back will be to the hole. Sometimes they're putting, they're, they're putting 90 degrees from the hole. The hole's over there, and they're putting this way. And it's the craziest path, and it's the craziest route to get to that hole. If it's me, I think the shortest path from point A to point B is a straight line. So that's which way I'm going to putt. And that's why I don't play at the Masters. Because I'd shoot 37 over on the first hole as I was just putting straight there and back. But if you watch... They'll barely tap it. And they've got this guy, they've got this person who's carrying their bag, and they're saying it's going to go to the right. It's going to go to the left. You don't need to hit it straight. You need to go the round way. I know that's a crazy idea. I know going down that hill and all the way to the left, but I'm telling you, the ball's going to go straight in if you go that way. And we watch as they would putt these crazy putts, hole way over there, and they'd putt, barely tap it, and there it would go. 5, 10, 20, 30 feet, right into the hole or right next to it. You see, God's going to tell you to do some crazy things. And people are going to expect you and they're going to tell you, well, the easiest path is to go from here to here, a straight line. But sometimes that's not the plan that God has for you. His way is perfect. And it might be crazy. It might look crazy to the outside world. But you have to trust and you have to believe that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That we put our trust in what God is telling us. We listen to what He says and then we trust and believe what He's telling us to do so that we can see the miracle that He has for us. And let's look at the miracle as we finish up. The third truth that we have is to go. Trust and go. In 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 14, he was raging, he was mad, he was frustrated, but praise God that God puts people in our path to help us. But what if God is right? What if God is true? What if God told you, would you, would you do that? Would you? And Nahum says, you know what, I'll do it. Verse 14, so he went down and he dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was found clean, praise God. That he made it a priority. Although he didn't understand it, although he was frustrated, he heard what, he, what God told him to say, he heard what God told him to do, it didn't agree with him, he didn't like it, 
It wasn't the plan and the purpose and the perfect way that he had it designed, but he says, you know what, I'll surrender my will, I'll surrender my life, and I'll do what you want me to do. And because he was obedient, the miracle happened. That we make it a priority to listen to what he has to say, that we believe and trust what he's telling us to do, and then we go and do it so that we can see the miracle show up. In James chapter 1, verses 22, the writer James tells us, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. We can read this Bible all we want, but we've got to apply it to our lives. We've got to speak it into our lives. We've got to put it into action in our lives. Because if you don't, you're just deceiving yourself. You're missing out on an opportunity where God wants to help you. You've been struggling with something for years and years and years and decades and decades, and God doesn't want you to deal with that anymore. He wants to loose you and let you go. But not just hearers, but also doers. That we listen, yes, it's important. That we trust, yes, but that we also go and be doers. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Paul is writing, and he says, For as many that are led by the Spirit of God, those are the sons and daughters of God. And we know that if we're sons and daughters, that we're entitled to everything in His kingdom. We have to be led by the Spirit of God. We have to listen to what He's saying. We have to trust and believe what He's saying. I have little kids, and they get scared sometimes. They try and climb a tree or... They try and do something that they haven't done before, and I'm on the other side. With Maddie's parents, they have a, a pool that they, they've recently built. We've been teaching the kids to swim. They get scared sometimes, and I lead them, and I say, hey, follow me. I know it's deep water. I know it's scary. I know it's rough, but I'm holding on to you. I've got you. I'm not going to let you fall. Those that are led by the Spirit of God are also sons and daughters of God. In Psalms 32, verse 8, I'm finishing with this. The writer of the Psalms says, I will instruct you, this is God speaking, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. He's not just telling you to go and then wiping his hands of you. Well, we got rid of that guy for another couple days. We don't have to listen to his prayers anymore. We took care of that. No, no, no. He's going to tell you what to do. He's wanting you to trust and believe that that's what he says. And then as you go and do it, he's going to be there right beside you. Though a righteous man falls, however many times he gets right back up, that God is there just like a parent leading you and guiding you. Come on, buddy. You can do it. Come on. Dip one more time. Come on. Keep praying one more time. Keep believing one more time. Keep understanding and reading the Bible and standing on the Scriptures one more time because your healing is right on the other side of it. When I was in... High school, maybe I was in college, I don't completely remember, high school, college, me and my friends had heard a rumor about this place. We didn't know if it truly existed or not. We were just kind of getting into cell phones with internet, and you kind of had AOL, so you didn't really have that great of a search engine to find these things. But we'd heard whispers and rumors from other people about this place, about this building that had heaven on earth. And we wanted to go, but we didn't know where it was at. We had heard maybe there was two or three places in Louisiana that had it. And one day we were going, I think we were going to a baseball game. 
if I remember right, I think it was uh, my high school was going to the national championship. And we were watching one of their games, and there was a handful of us that were coming back. And the dad that we were with said, hey, we're right next to one of these places. Do you all want to stop by and eat? And me and my friend looked at each other and said, does it really exist? We've heard about it. We've believed it. But can we really go? And they said, yeah, yeah, we can go. We pulled up to this place, and we walked into it. And it was one of only three, I think, at the time in Louisiana, a Popeye's buffet. A buffet. You didn't just go and buy a box of chicken and leave. You could sit there for $10 and eat as much chicken as you wanted from this buffet. And so as a kid, as a high schooler who was hungry and who loved Popeye's and ate it all the time when I could afford it, we were told that there was a buffet that existed where you could eat all the sides, all the chicken, everything. And me and my friends have been listening and hearing about this place, and we believed it existed. Other people said it didn't, but I believed it existed. And then I was told where it was at. I didn't wait around. to. F- we went to it. As I Googled last night, I found out that the last remaining Popeye's buffet did not make through the pandemic. And it closed in December of 2021 in Lafayette, Louisiana. So I'm going to try and open one here, maybe turn the church into one. That'd be sweet. But listen. The Word of God is true, and it's just as good to me as that Popeye's buffet. You can get everything that you need. You can go back up to the buffet of the Bible and get as much healing, get as much salvation, get as much freedom, get whatever you need from God by simply believing upon His Son. But you've got to listen. God wants to help you just like He wanted to help Nahum to come out of that leprosy. You've got to listen to what he's going to tell you to do. You've got to believe with all your heart that his best, he has your best interest in mind. And then you've got to go out there and do it. I felt like as I was studying that the Holy Spirit just kept simply saying, trust and go. Trust and go. I don't know where you're at in your life, but today's the day that you need to trust and go. Trust what God has been telling you time and time and time again and go and do that. Go and believe that. Go and step out in faith and watch him. He's been telling you to forgive. He's been telling you to do something. There are prophetic words that me and my wife are still standing on in regards to this church, in regards to our ministry, and in in regards to our life that we are believing. I haven't seen the full fruition of it, but I am trusting and I am believing and I am ready for him to speak so that we can go to whatever that looks like in our lives and in your lives. So let's stand up as we get ready to head out today. God is speaking. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. He's encouraging you. He's loving you. So take time in your life to listen. Find the place where God speaks and listen to what he has to say. And believe me, what he says is probably going to be crazy. He's going to tell you to do something that's probably going to make you uncomfortable. It's probably going to be outside of your normal realm. And whatever he tells you to do, go do it. He might tell you to go dip in the Black River here seven times to be healed. He might tell you to call that person. He might tell you, like Alberto says, to go and talk to somebody at work, to share your testimony. 
He might tell you when you see somebody at lunch today to go and talk with them. Mothers, when you come back here for the Mother's Day event today at 5 o'clock, he might tell you to go and pray with one of the moms. Lay your hands on them and help them. Make sure you go and listen because he has your best interest in mind. And when you're led by him, you are a son of his. And he loves his sons and he loves his daughters. Amen. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word that will not return void, but it will accomplish exactly what it's supposed to do in our lives. Father, I thank you that the word that has been planted as seeds in each and every one of these people's lives will bear fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Father, I thank you for the people here, that they hear your voice. Father, they trust and believe what you have for them. And Father, they are going to be obedient and go and do what you have for them to do because they want to be made whole. They want to be healed. They want to be restored, Father. And you want them to be healed and restored even more than their desires. So Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you that you are moving in their midst. Father, you're speaking to them. You're helping them. You're showing them that you are their God, that you are their Father, and that you care for them, and you want to see them succeed in everything they do. Father, I thank you for these people that your word says that they are blessed where they are right now, and they are blessed in the future that you're bringing them into because they already are the head and not the tail. They are above and not beneath. The favor of God surrounds them like a shield, and the favor of God surrounds them because they have favor with God and man. Father, I thank you that they are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Father, I thank you that you sent your word today, and it has healed them from all sickness, all disease, and all destruction of the devil. Father, I thank you that everything they put their hands to prospers. Father, I thank you that they have the mind of Christ. Father, I thank you right now that your word says that we are the salt and light of the earth. We are a city set on a hill. Father, I thank you that your word says that everywhere we go, we diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. In every situation, whether we're at home, at work, whatever situation, your peace and your presence resides everywhere we go. Father, I thank you that each and every person here is the salt and light of the earth, a city set on a hill that refuses to be hidden. Father, I ask you to help your people go out and share their testimony with someone. Go out and invite somebody to church. Go out and tell somebody the gospel message that's the only thing that saves humanity, that Christ died for their sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried in a tomb, and that he rose again the third day. Now, Father, bless your people, protect your people, cause them to prosper in everything they do, and bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Mother's Day, today at church, 5 o'clock upstairs, men's Bible study next Saturday. 8 a.m. here. God bless you. We love you. We'll see y'all next time. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.